we've been speaking about the wrapping up of events around the return of the Lord and presenting the fact that so much needs to be wrapped up, that the idea that we simply go to heaven when we die and that's the end of it is nonsense. It leaves too much unfinished, uh, too much that's critical, that needs to be critically fulfilled, uh, leaves it unfulfilled. So know that these things are simply, uh, going to heaven when he dies, the end of the narrative is simply not true. You know, and, and um, if you believe it, you're wrong. It's that, it's that simple. Now, there are many things on the earth that are progressing and one of the things we saw was the destruction of an economic system. Factors in, inherent to the system and factors external to the system contribute to its demise. Inherent to its, its uh, internal functioning, it's based upon a foundation of greed which in turn is foundationed upon uh, the assumption that uh, the assumption of all orphans that they are all the resource they ever have. And the greed factor is the desire to provide and protect, provide for yourself, protect yourself if you're an orphan at all costs. So everybody becomes items to be traded. The entire system substitutes any notion of love for transactions. Transactional uh, exchanges and relationships eventually devolve into self-interest and the competition of self-interest. This contrasts, just for the sake of contrast, radically to the notion that if we are the sons of God, God is our supply and provision and we are doing what He puts us here to do and He is the one who is going to maintain it and will do with what He gives us exactly what He tells us to do, which would include if your brother has a need, you don't shut up your emotions of compassion toward him, you help him. Um, the, the beauty of Zion functionally in the earth as a city upon a hill grows in glory and intensity as an absolute contrast to the fear and dread and manipulation, control that holds the system together. Those are some of the internal things. External to it are wars, rumors of wars, famines, earthquakes in different places, pestilence or disease. I mean, look at what happened. Just look at what happened in the last three years when COVID shut, when, when disease, when a pestilence was upon the earth, killed millions of people, made hundreds of millions of people sick and ground economic activity to a halt. Highest levels of unemployment, business shutdown, uh, 
people afraid in the early stages of COVID before people got used to it, every kind of panic. These things are forerunners of what, what is to come. They're not one-offs and now we settle back down into normalcy. It's like birth pangs on a pregnant woman. What I'm doing is I'm showing you the framework in which so many scriptures uh, are meant to be understood. Now, while that's all going on in the world and its systems are collapsing for the reasons that we're stating and by reason of these external factors, the people of God are being sealed with the Holy Spirit, sealed in their mindsets that they are dependent upon and may rely upon the goodness of God and the direction and leadership of the Holy Spirit together with the active intervention of God in their circumstances, whether to heal them and there will be a proliferation of divine healing for the people of God and a proliferation of opportunity and divine supply for the people of God and it's part of why this harlot wants to drink the blood of the saints because they're showing a different way and she has been exposed for her harlotry. There is no explaining these people who do not have the historicity of the harlot in her claim to be the true bride of Christ. Here they are, you know, like was said of Peter and John and the early disciples in Jerusalem and it was said by the by the religious order of their day, by the Sanhedrin and others, these are ignorant and unlearned men. How come they're speaking the wonderful works of God? You know, when it's not coming out of the temple, when it's not coming out of the established religious order of the time. The only conclusion is, and they took counsel, well, they've been with Jesus. In the same way, at the end of the age, when the glory of God rises on the house of God, on the people of God, on the sons of God, all being the same entity described from different angles, when they unerringly step through the minefields of the present day and are unharmed, when their supply is analogous to being fed with manna from heaven, but first having been fed on the Word of God, when they are healthy and, and their minds are not corrupted by and their actions not co-opted by the fear of the present age, when they cannot be threatened by the beast and, and the systems of the beast, when they can function outside of these systems, having their own systems which are inherent to the Kingdom of Heaven but driven by a mindset not of greed but of genuine love, love for one another, then the world begins to see and what remnant of people there is in the world to come out of it, they begin to see the love of God for humanity and they may infer that the love of God is directed toward them as well and a remnant will be saved even a remnant of Jews will be saved. 
as, as these matters then coalesce and show the extremes as between the kingdom, this last great kingdom of seven heads and ten horns locked in conflict with the image of and the practices of the saints who are the citizens of the kingdom of heaven and the sons of God. The two will contrast mightily. They will, they will attempt to subjugate the saints and will have some limited success. But we are never going to be at the mercy of the beast. Let's understand that. Sons of God are never going to be at the mercy of the beast. If we are, he'll annihilate us. He will prevail in certain areas for time, times and half a time. But then the court will sit in judgment, especially to judge it for what it did to the saints, for what wickedness it did to the saints. But by and large, the saints will be protected much like Israel was protected in the land of Goshen in the days of the plagues. And there are many uh, similar references to the plagues that come upon the earth, to the plagues that happened on e- in Egypt while Israel was in Goshen. So again, I hope that these summations give you a place to assemble all the scriptures you know regarding the end of the age. Now I'm not attempting to give an exhaustive compendium of all those scriptures, I'm I'm referring to enough of them and bringing in enough of them that you can get the picture. But fill in the picture yourself with the diligence of your study and your seeking out of God concerning the end of the age. So major event, the destruction of the economic system resulting in war against the saints. The coalition begins to fall apart between the false prophet, the harlot church and the the antichrist who is the voice that speaks for this global system. This becomes a kingdom of disunity and it terrorizes itself because its systems are failing and it's the typical every man for himself. But I'm not suggesting here that its collapse will be only by, and by virtue of internal pressures. What I am saying is that the pressure on its systems will increase enormously and the fault lines will show up and it will begin to come apart. But the actual coming apart will be when the Lord returns out of heaven with His mighty army. Now, meanwhile, in heaven there is the marriage supper of the Lamb and the As we look at how that 
unpacks. The, the scene shifts from the earth, but it doesn't mean what's going on in the earth stops. The scene shifts to heaven, and we can see now into heaven while this catastrophe and great and, and consuming and overwhelming wickedness begins to roll up on the earth. Then the scene shifts to heaven and the marriage supper of the Lamb becomes the focus. In Revelation 19 at verse 6, I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude and as the voice of many waters, and the voice of mighty thundering saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honour to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come and His bride, a wife, has made herself ready. And he and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he says unto me, Write, write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. Said unto me, These things are the true sayings of God. Don't bet on these things not being so. And I fell at his feet, John is talking, and worshipped, and he said, Don't worship, see to it that you do not. I am your fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So the wedding supper of the Lamb is initiated in heaven. Um, this contrasts, by the way, with the beginning part of the 19th uh, chapter. And after this I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and honour and power unto the Lord our God, for true and righteous are His judgments, for He has judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and had avenged the blood of His servants on her. And again it was said, Hallelujah, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four beasts fell down, worshipped God, uh, worshipping God who sat on the throne, saying, Amen and Hallelujah. And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye servants, and ye that fear Him, both great and small. Um, this comes at the end of, or the, it's the beginning of the 19th chapter, the end of the 19th, of the 18th chapter speaks of how uh, the, the, the harlot is destroyed. The harlot there is pre presented as a city, uh, and its destruction. Uh, earlier on in the chapter, 
is how it lost all of its value to the merchants and to the kings. And uh, this is an interesting um, note. The light of the candle shall shine no more at all in thee, and the voice of the bride, bridegroom and the bride shall be heard no more in thee. In other words, any appeal, any appeal that the, the, the true body of Christ had to this harlot is silenced. And this also is a time when God is saying to the true body of Christ, exit the harlot, come out of her my people, she's about to be destroyed. So much like God called Israel out of Egypt before the destruction of Egypt's armies and much as God called the early church out of the city of Jerusalem before the destruction of Jerusalem, so God calls the body of Christ out of these global systems and away from contending with the harlot for, uh, in regards to the truth. So the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. The merchants were the great men of the earth, for by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and the saints and, all, and of all that were slain upon the earth. So she went into, she was tremendously violent in preserving her ways. But finally, uh, she's undone. When that happens, the smoke of her torment and destruction rises up where it's unmistakable. Then after her destruction, now comes the wedding supper of the Lamb. And in here, just as a, as a point of interest to you, such a thing is described, such a thing is described in a parable in the 25th chapter of Matthew. Matthew 25, which follows at the apocalyptic, apocalyptic statements of Jesus. Matthew 25 says, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened unto uh, ten virgins who took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Individually, our participants are as guests, wedding guests. Collectively, we are the bride. I mentioned that in an earlier broadcast. We're never considered individually as the bride. There's no reference at any point in the scriptures to an individual bride, an individual bride of Christ. We are the corporate bride and nothing else. Just like there's not an individual who is the body of Christ. Spirit of Christ lives in our bodies, yes, but collectively we are, we are the whole body comprised of many members. Clearly taught 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 12 and going through the end of the chapter. These are just errors to clean up 
sloppy and even erroneous thinking that has infiltrated the body of Christ and replaced truth with sentiment and confused the issues as they go. Now then, the wedding of the Lamb comes. Matthew 25 speaks of that separation between those who were invited to the wedding as guests and those who actually got to go in and be part of the the corporate assembling of the bride. So you have, even in that passage, other passages and parables speak of sheep and goats, Uh, they speak of wheat and tares, they speak of um, uh, fish that are selected and and fish that are thrown back. So what we're seeing is that the harlot will at some point contain both, but in the appointed time of God, those who are the sons of God will absolutely have to come out of her. Uh, and, And that coming out is at the point where, here it is in in the 18th chapter of uh, Revelation, uh, of the book of Revelation, when when the sins of this harlot have reached such a place where the nations are drunk with the wine of her fornication. Um, Here's the condition of this bride. I mean of this harlot. And there's a certain angel who cried with a loud voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and it's become become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich with the abundance of her delicacies." Now just prior to her being destroyed, this is the cry. Verse 4, Revelation 18, I heard of another voice coming from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not her plagues, for her sins have reached unto heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities, rewarded her even as she has rewarded you, and doubled, and doubled unto her double according to her works. In the cup which she has filled, to her double, how much, uh, how much she has glorified herself and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her. For she said in her heart, I sit as queen, I'm no widow, and I, see no, I shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine and she shall be utterly burned with fire for the strong for strong is the lord who judges her now then um, 
you see the reference here? Things that are coming upon her, obviously are coming upon the earth. What are those things? Plagues, de- uh, death, mourning, famine. And then from another reference we know warfare. These are the four horsemen of the apocalypse. These are the events poured out on the earth. So although we referred to them earlier, this is giving us the time frame and the, the concentration at the end of the book is showing us when, when these things occur. And they're coming as birth pangs on a pregnant woman, which means one will follow, another will follow, and another will follow after that, and yet another until all that is to be displayed and seen are displayed and seen. Now at that time, you see, at that time, the the word goes out to the people of God, come out of her. This I believe also is contemporaneous with the time when they will be sealed on the earth. In heaven, then to go back to the the 19th chapter, in heaven then, as she is being destroyed on the earth, in heaven the wedding supper of the Lamb comes. Following that, following the wedding supper, One of the things you you should not forget is that heaven is not a static place. You don't just sit around on clouds and eat curds and whey or go strolling on streets of gold and, you know, eating bonbons in your mansion in glory land. (laughs) When the scriptures say, I heard in heaven a new song, It means that heaven is not static, otherwise you have nothing new. A new song means a new song because it's a new season in heaven. In the earth, seasons are bounded by time. And so it's referred to as times and seasons. So times determine seasons in the earth. In heaven, events determine the, real, the, the, the realities of heaven. When it's time for an event, then that is the, that's when the seasons in heaven change. So the wedding supper of the Lamb is a season in heaven. It's a time where, or an occasion whereupon the promise of the two as one is consummated and so the next events are how he comes out of heaven with the bride and with the army. That's one of the things that's happening in heaven, Uh, like I said, the, the, the supper of the Lamb. The other is the gathering of the army in heaven and that's the subject of the rest of Revelation 19. 
It simply says, I saw heaven open, and behold, a, a white horse, and he who sat upon it was called Faithful and True, and, the righteous, and with righteousness he judges and makes war. Notice something here. His warfare is both righteousness and judgment. So he takes on the role of a judge. And part of what he makes war against is that which he has judged. His eyes are like flames of fire. He has many crowns. His vestiger is dipped in blood. And his, his name is called the Word of God. So he judges by the Word, judges by his own standards. The armies which are in heaven follow him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen and white white and clean. By the way, the same thing is described as the condition of the saints on the earth, fine linen, bright and clean. So we are that family. The same thing is happening to us on the earth as is happening in, in heaven. Our righteousness has been, has been announced, it being not a thing to be hoped for, but now an actual reality. So the whole family of God in heaven and on earth are included in the supper of the Lamb. That's my point. They're wearing the same robes, they've arrived at the same condition, and that's when the glory of God will, will, will come upon Zion in this corporate manifestation. It will have been rising in the individual walking with God, but it will come as a corporate anointing upon the house of God. So out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, whether in heaven or on the earth, God will shine forth. And that's why as He comes out of heaven then, leading this army, we shall be included when we join Him in the clouds. I want to make a few more comments about this in the next uh, message and then I want to go on into more thoroughly the judgment and overthrowing of the beast, um, the seizure of Satan and his imprisonment and the Lord on the earth establishing the thousand year reign. I will come back to that when we return. I'm Sam Solon and we'll continue to develop this matter. I'll see you then. Bye now.